Hey everyone, you're listening to the Simple Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, from the Simple Electronics YouTube channel. And uh, this episode is brought to you by PCBWay, but more about that later on. Um, I've got, I'm just in the tail end of another human malware infection. And so this episode was not going to happen if I just couldn't rope someone else in that would be patient with my coughing and uh, that can deal with all sorts of nonsense today. So with me, I have roped in another maker, Florida man himself. How are you, another maker? I'm doing wonderful, man. I've been thinking about it. You know, this uh, podcast is a lot like my coding. What I lack in quality, I definitely make up for in quantity. Okay. Well, what about people like me who don't do quantity or quality when it comes to coding? Are we doomed? Yeah, we just make do. But uh, I appreciate you having me back. This is a bunch of times I've been on your podcast and it is an honor every single time. Well, I appreciate hearing that. Um, There are uh, literally hundreds of people at this point who listen to the podcast every week. And, um, you know, far be it from me to to be the one to disappoint them. So this uh, this episode is possible because of another maker. So I want uh, everyone to go onto um, his channel and uh, comment a little thank you on one of his videos. So hopefully we're going to see a deluge of comments. I appreciate that. Well, what's been new with you? I know you've been uh, you've been working on some stuff at home. What's uh, what's been up? I've been busy. I, you know, I sort of thought that this beginning of this year was going to be a, uh, a slowdown in my business and all that. And instead, uh, things have just kind of picked up, um, a little bit. So it's been, it's been busy. I've been working on a bunch of projects for work. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that. And I've also been renovating my garage. One of the issues I have, I've got about 600 square feet, have no idea what that is in square meters, but I've got like 600 square feet in my shop. But a lot of times I wind up doing uh, these physical projects like cutting and drilling, and that just absolutely trashes my lab. And so um expanding a little bit into my garage and uh, so what I'm doing is I ripped out everything in my garage put a new ceiling in and uh, I'm sectioning off a little bit of my garage to be a laundry room and then uh, the rest of it I'm turning into more dirty workspace so got all that going on right now oh that's pretty neat I need to actually do some cleaning in the dirty quote-unquote area of my workshop because uh for like so long now, it's just been where stuff goes. Like I just throw stuff there, but I don't want to deal with it. But now I got to clean it up and organize it because uh, I have too many machines here already and I'm working on some more. So it's taking over pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, that's my issue. So I'm one of those people where if I have to keep stopping and looking for things, like I'm just not going to do it. And my garage uh, just had this really awful sort of closet system where everything could be tucked into corners so you'd open up a door and there'd be a foot or two of dark space each side of every shelf so things would just hide back there and i felt like every time i needed to find something i would uh have to dig and dig and dig so i just basically never used my garage and so i'm uh rebuilding it building new workbenches and shelves and suspending stuff from the ceiling and all that kind of fun stuff so hopefully i'll actually use it uh because i feel like it's just a nightmare right now yeah that's uh I feel you. I have um, so I have a very tiny house. Oh, by the way, six hundred square feet, fifty-five square meters for uh, okay. those of you across the pond. Here in Canada, although we're uh, mainly metric, we have a hodgepodge of uh, metric and imperial. So uh, housing sizes are still in square feet for us. So 
600 made sense to me. Okay. Yeah. So my house, for example, um, if you count all the floors, is a 1,200 square feet. So it is tiny. Okay. It's twice the size of your garage. Yeah, so it's easy to, uh, yeah, it's easy to, to get overwhelmed. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, and speaking of that, uh, you know, I'm a big fan. If anybody's seen my workshop tour, I was supposed to do one in February. I do one every February, but I kind of slacked this year. But uh, I've got these little shoebox style bins at the top, and I just counted it up uh, before the podcast. I've got 132 of those. And uh, one of the things I've been kind of dreaming about for about the last year or two is to find a way to to know where any bin is. I'm pretty good about putting them back in the same general direction, but I do find myself, you know, looking for the one marked standard USB cables or whatever. So uh, I've been kind of dreaming of different versions of things I could do to kind of organize that and and make it a little smarter. And uh, one of the projects I've been doing for work, can't talk too much about it, but I've been doing a lot with uh, OpenCV and machine learning and machine vision and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've been playing around with, have you seen, I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I should have looked up what they're, how to actually pronounce it, but Aruco codes, like A-R-U-O-C-O or something like that. They kind of look like weird, chunky QR codes. Nope, nope, never... Um... Let me look that up. A-R-U-O-C-O, I think. It's close. We're, we're doing this live, folks. No no editing. Um, A-R-A-U-C-O? Does that make? No. A-R-U-C-O. A-R-U-C-O. My God. This is... Yeah, Aruco codes. Oh, there we go. It's okay, like yeah. R Uko. R Uko, I think, is is basically the way you pronounce it. They're like fiduciaries. They're like little. Um, they're like very obvious to spot marks. We use uh, similar marks on targets to uh, aim uh, crash assist uh, cameras and uh, lane watch assist cameras on on cars. Exactly. Yeah, Amazon used them for putting robots around their warehouse and stuff like that. But those things are really interesting. You know, people know QR codes because they, you know, they contain a ton of information in a really small area. And basically what they decided to do with these Aruco codes, and people are going to make fun of how I pronounce it, but whatever, um, they are designed to convey a very small amount of information, but to be extremely obvious. And so the way they work is if you look at one of those things, they'll you'll decide that, hey, this this basically means a number. This symbol means you know number one through 250. And so what you do is you tell the system in advance the highest number it can be so that you like are extremely limiting the amount of work that the camera has to do. So the gist of it is uh, the reason why they use those codes is because they're extremely easy for the camera system to pick up. And uh, so I'm building a project. I've got cameras strapped all over my ceiling right now because I need to track things based on those codes. And that's just been kind of fun. But what I was thinking about is that I could actually put one of those codes on each one of my bins and put a camera on the other side of the office. And, uh, and basically, when I want to look up, when I want to find out where a certain bin is, I just say its name and I could either use a little uh, two servo turret or some LED strips above it. Uh, so I could eat, like, if you picture that I have a whole row of 132 tubs, I could put a NeoPixel strip along the top of my office and the camera finds the symbol for that box and then lights up the six LEDs above the box. Uh, or something like that. So I've been kind of playing around with the idea of doing something like that so that I could track where this thing is along the wall. 
That makes a lot of sense. I think um, uh, Sion, the unexpected maker, he has a, um, a sort of like a, a reel tracking system where he has uh, part reels, like electronic part reels for yeah. a pick and place. And he actually made like racks and the he has a like an an AI assistant uh, know where every part is like which what what's in every reel, and then he has to call out to it uh, by voice, and it it shines a neopixel on the reel he's looking for. So you're doing uh, a little bit like that, except you don't have to set the position when you put things away, which is I mean I think would be a nightmare. So you could just put all your bins in, and as long as the code faces out, you'll be able to find it, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I think it sounds like I think it sounds like a lot of fun. And one of the things, my bins are stacked three tall, so it's super common that I pull out wherever it goes back, it's going to go back on top, unless it's really heavy. So ninety nine percent of the time, that bin goes on the top. So they sort of rotate around. And then if I have five bins off the shelf, I get them back in the same general area. But I think it'd be kind of cool. I think it'd be neat to, or it'd be really cool to have a laser in the middle that would just shine like a green laser crosshair on the thing or something like that. I don't know if I'm going to get that advanced, but uh, you know, I can dream. So let's, um, as for all of these solutions, what is the minimum viable cost? Do you think what, what would be the cost of, um, you know, just the, the minimum viable product where someone, you know, let's say you could figure out the column, but not the row. H- how much do you think a system like that would, would right. cost someone? Yeah. So actually, I mean, I think I'm doing it right now with a cheap, I'm not even using a 1080p. I've got a 720p webcam. So basically on your existing computer, a USB webcam and a long, uh, and a long USB cable so you can get it up to the ceiling is is enough to probably give you... So my office, again, we'll go back in feet. My office is in two sections, and each section is about 15 feet wide. So I can probably get, you know, I can probably get, let's just say, eight feet from the boxes. I think that would allow me to do maybe a, let's just say, a 12-foot wide section. We'll just round it off. So I could do a 12-foot wide section of bins with one $10 USB camera. Oh, wow. So this is... This is cheap, and I guess the software would be free, right? You'd be using right. Open the software's AI? free. Open CV, Open CV is free, and uh, yeah, and then you could basically. It's just a matter of if I want to, I would either use two servos that I have and a laser pointer or something like that, or I would run a. There'd be thirty, forty bucks in cost to run a strip of NeoPixels the whole length. So I don't even think it'd be that expensive. So that's that's actually very viable then, because I was thinking, you know. You probably need a Raspberry Pi, which is these days over a hundred bucks. Then you'd probably need, you know, a couple of the uh, OVO uh, cameras, and then you'd need uh, all sorts of stuff like that. But actually, it's seeming more and more reasonable as you keep talking about it, which is pretty neat. Yeah, my initial thoughts were to do something like uh, I've been dreaming about this for years. But I originally thought, well, I could have a little uh, battery operator rechargeable gizmo with an LED on it inside of every tub you know, where I would put something in there and then trigger it with a relay, you know, with a a remote and it would make a tub itself light up. And I've thought of a bunch of different solutions for this, but they all involved just a lot more work. Uh, And I, I, the more I've been playing around with this stuff, I think that Oroco code might actually be the answer to just spot it with a camera. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I am, I went into the other direction. I labeled my boxes in uh, plain English. And so my goal was, 
that if I'm working on something, let's say away, right? Let's say I'm at a maker fair or something and there's like an emergency where the thing doesn't work. I need to be able to call my wife at home and say, can you go in the basement, get box labeled, blah, 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 and bring it here to the, to the maker fair. That, that was my, my thoughts when I was making my organization sort of uh, scheme. And so far, so far, so good. It, it's working out well. I haven't had to use the, the catastrophe mode, but um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking that's the way I'm going to go. Uh, but the issue is these boxes, they're like shoe boxes. That I, think, I think we use very similar bins, you and I. Right. And some of this stuff needs to now be broken down into smaller increments. So, for example, I have a box called Arduino++, which is basically Arduinos, so uh, basically microcontrollers, um, and then also sensors. And also it's grown because I didn't really have a spot for potentiometers. So potentiometers are in there and uh, a few other things like that. And now that box is like overflowing. So I need I need more boxes and I need to go a little bit more granular. But so far, so good. I don't have 130 boxes, though. I have I think I have 30. Well, that's what I would. So part um, I'm with you on that part of the thing with the uh, and I might have mentioned this before, but with the USB, uh, I have a limited amount of space that I can put these 130 boxes in. So these sort of tell me when it's time to stop collecting things. So, uh, you know, I need to decide, do I have a box? Once my box of USB cables gets full, then I stop collecting USB cables. Uh, but yeah, and then eventually, yeah, you do have to break them out and split them out. And it's it's an art for sure. It's an art. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually, um, so I, I was trying this year to go to um, like maker meetup type things, and one of the big ones uh, very recently is going to be the Open Hardware Summit in uh, New York, and New York is not all that far from me. I think it's a six or eight hour drive, some something like that. It's but you know once you're there you kind of got to stay there and everything's very expensive. So I'm not ready basically to, to travel, uh, especially here on my second uh, COVID infection, which is, you know, great because no, basically up here, it's probably the same in Florida, but up here, basically nobody cares about COVID anymore. And um, nobody, no, I think I'm the only one who, who I see mask up on a regular basis. So Basically, it's it's like COVID season all all the freaking time. But um, so, anyways, I'm not ready to travel. So I actually bought uh, tickets, virtual tickets to the Open Hardware Summit, and um, I'm going to be able to uh, watch a couple of the uh, podcast guests that I've had on um, do talks, which is which is pretty neat. Have you ever done the virtual ticket thing on any event like that? I haven't. No, it actually seems like it would line up really well with my introvertedness. Yeah, yeah. There we go. My least um, favorite thing about conferences is the people. Yeah, and and you. It seems like a common thing uh, when when you're. I'm listening to um, Adam Savage, a former MythBuster fame, uh, talk about uh, comic cons he goes to. It's pretty common to come home sick after a, a con. Oh yeah, right? because everybody is just packed in a tight spot and whatever. So. I'm. Uh, I've bought. I bought tickets this year f- for the online thing. It's actually very cheap. It was about twenty five bucks American, 
Um, so what's that like a hundred dollars Canadian, whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what it's going to be all about. And I'm thinking of doing like a post, uh, a post show video to kind of sum it up. But, um, yeah, like that's, this, yeah, this is something I would encourage people. Um, cause in person, the tickets are over $200 American and already you have to stay in New York, right? Like it's, it's not cheap. So yeah, I would encourage people to check out the virtual tickets. So a little bit of a, a little bit of a um, sort of call out for that. Nice. So, uh, so what project is closest to you proximity wise right now? Like when you look around your office, what do you, what do you see ne- next to you? Um, so the closest thing is I've got uh, 3D printed parts for a um, 3D printer upgrade. And um, I've showed it off on my live stream. Um, I do I do live streams. I try to do them once a week. The one yesterday or two days ago, I guess, was, no, yeah, two days ago, was a bit rough because, like, I'm not feeling great. But uh, I showed it off. But basically, it's to do a, a linear rail upgrade on a uh, uh, my Tronxy X5SA okay. printer. Basically, um, it, it's a great... Trapezoid printer? It is a, um, well, it's a Core XY type printer. But um, it's it has good bones, but it's still a trunk C, so it has bad software, and um, I think the motion mechanism was a little bit of an afterthought. So I'm going to see if upgrading it to linear rails and a bit more rigidity is going to is going to help me make it more reliable. Basically, I've got a bit of a uh, 3D printing question for you. So I have one of the things on my desk is I have the. Um, electronic screwdriver from Kai Wheats. And uh, I love those things in general. I had one that I bought. It was an Amazon return. Love the thing. And uh, it, what happened was in my garage, uh, I was in the middle of doing something and I turned around and it rolled off my desk. And so one of the, um, one of the problems with most electronic screwdrivers on the market, and I don't understand why they're all perfectly cylindrical, meaning that they can roll. And um, so what I did is I, I designed a little thing to basically look like a hex nut that would slide on the shaft of the screwdriver and just, you know, be something to stop it from rolling. Uh, but I tried twice and failed printing it because being so small, I mean, it's like 11 millimeters, something like that. It, uh, it didn't want to stick to the bed, even with a little brim. Uh, what kind of advice could you give me for making tiny parts stick to a bed? Well, um, the big thing is you need the squish. Uh, and so, uh, typically if you can't make things stick to the bed, it's probably that your, your nozzle is a bit far from the bed. So if you go into okay. your baby stepping settings, baby stepping for those who don't know, it's just to, to do little tiny adjustments while the printer prints. Um, if you just increase the Z offset, uh, it just, when your printer starts printing, it'll start smushing it down a little bit harder. Um, but yeah. you got to be careful because that also changes the Z height of your print. The, the more uh, squish you have on your first layer, the the shorter your first layer becomes. So if you have like precise needs for Z height, then uh, that's one way to avoid it. Um, the other thing is to print on a raft. And as annoying as printing on a raft is, um, it might be your solution here. So it prints basically okay. like a a boat, like, like a brim, right? right but then it prints right. on top of that. So your, your 
um, brim or your, your raft will stick to the bed and then your, your item will stick to the raft. And so those are two solutions you could try to get it to stick better. Okay. Yeah, I'm not afraid of the raft. And one of the things um, I got, thanks to you, one of your mailbags, I got one of those little, um, it's like a pipe rasp, I guess you'd call it. One of those little, it's like a, a aluminum tool with a little cutting edge that's made for deburring the inside of a pipe. And that thing is magical on 3D prints. Uh, I don't know if you use yours very much, but for whenever you do things like rafts or, or you have a little leftover jaggies from your, um, uh, what do they call it, stuff, the... What's the suspension for it? Uh, the supports? Uh, yeah, the supports. Like whenever you need to clean that stuff up, that little rasp thing is amazing for that kind of stuff. Yeah, that thing is great. The de- deburring tool, right? With the little yeah. spinny. Yeah. yeah, actually, I've been meaning to get one for a very long time by the time I got that, but it's just, um, it always slips my mind. But yeah, that's a that's a go-to for sure. Mine right now is actually worn out for the amount of uh, use I put on it. The plastic handle the uh, latch is worn right out of it. So the, the bits come right out. So I need to, um, I'll probably end up buying a slightly higher quality one because the original intent of those tools was for machining. And so typically it's a carbide um, piece of metal inside and not just right. a mild steel like the ones we get from China. So right. I use it enough that I'll probably be upgrading at some point because yes, I agree. That thing is freaking awesome. Yeah, I think I got mine from Amazon. It's like a metal handle with, and I think it does have carbide on it, and it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, love that thing. Yeah, that thing is uh, is very fancy. Actually, I kind of want to make a video of um, necessary tools to finish prints because 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 I don't print on a very expensive three um, D printer. Mind you, I've upgraded mine to Helen back at this point. My X three A or Old Faithful. Um, but sometimes it's very hard to get the support materials off because it doesn't. Um, it de- it depends on the material, depends on the temperature. Um, but because you know, I print with whatever cheap stuff I find, and um, my printer isn't very fancy, and the firmware is very unfancy. Um, I think I think I'm going to make a video. But the thing is, you need to finish 3D prints, you need that little carbide scraper. You also need a little set of files, a little set of like jeweler's mm-hmm. files because um, PLA is incredibly hard when you compare it to like your your fingers basically, right? And, um, exactly. and on top of that, I have a little screwdriver from a, a kit I got from, uh, from China, but it has, a, I have a tiny little flathead bit on it and that thing works perfectly for like going inside little holes and uh, prying out the support materials and stuff. So yeah, I feel like I really need to make a, a, a video on, you know, required tools for 3D printing. That and, uh, and a, uh, a scraper. I don't know yep. why I waited so long to get a scraper, but that tool is a godsend as well. Yep. I also have, I don't know if you have one of the ones that's the uh, plastic scraper. It's uh use those orange plastic razor blades. Those things are great when you don't want to mar something. Uh, they're fantastic. Yeah, I actually don't. I, I So I have some from the automotive world because um, you typically use them to uh, clean off uh, silicone off of um, aluminum mating surfaces without marring the uh, aluminum. Uh, however, I don't use them in 3D printing and that's because I don't have a glass bed. I only have one uh, mm. glass bed. And that's on the X5SA. 
However, uh, it's covered with um, painter's tape because the leveling on that bed is a complete nightmare. Uh, and the painter's tape makes it so that you can just use a regular um, scraper. So, okay. yeah, those those are a good idea. I, I do agree, but uh, I haven't I haven't needed them personally. So that's that. Yeah. So you said about making one of those videos. Those are the kind of slow burn videos that wind up doing well over time. Um, I don't have a ton of views on it, but I did a twenty one soldering tools that you must know about or something like that and they kind of answer questions and they're kind of things that people when they're looking for gifts for people and stuff like that um your your main channel viewers look at it and i can't but overall it kind of answers a question and and so uh yeah i would encourage you to make those videos because that'd be the type of thing that if i got somebody a 3d printer i would go through a video like that and buy three or four of the things to to send with it um yeah so i like that idea that's just because you're extra extra thoughtful though <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I want to do one for uh, bench power supply accessories, too, because I've kind of come up with this whole set of little cables that I've made for my bench power supply. And, you know, it just makes using that thing so much easier. Like one thing I did is I made a banana jack to uh, the standard, what is it, 2.5 millimeter uh, banana. And then I have adapters, not banana, uh, barrel, sorry, uh, banana to barrel. And then I have those barrel adapters that basically adapt to all the other barrel adapters. So, you know, whenever I get some strange laptop, I have a cable that I just has a standard barrel jack. And if that's not it, then I have a thousand other little adapters that I can get the exact right connector for my power supply and test it and stuff like that. So those kinds of things. I wish makers would have just settled on one barrel jack size because even in uh, electronics, there's the 2.1 millimeter uh, barrel jack and the 2.5 millimeter barrel jack. Why couldn't we just have one? I just want one barrel jack to rule them all, and that's it. Why? And if you're going to differentiate them, then differentiate them based on voltage. Um, you know, oh, so true. that 12 is always 2.1 or whatever. Um, just because, it, yeah, it's so bad. I wind up having to cut up so many old power bricks because, uh, you know, because they don't have the right one on them. I actually complained about this on one of my mailbag videos, but um, I I needed to... So I was working on the X3A printer in the other room where I don't have my soldering iron. And my soldering iron at this point is buried below... Like it's a, it's a soldering station. So the station portion of it is buried below an avalanche of stuff. So there's no way of getting it out from where it's sitting at the moment. Um, so I was like, oh, I have a TS100 soldering iron battery powered all i'll do is i'll grab that ts100 and i'll bring it into the other room i'll use one of my spare power supplies and i'll just solder with that but no instead of the two point uh i think it's 2.1 millimeter jacks that i have in stock it uses a 2.5 millimeter jack and it's like what why why did you do this to me why yeah yeah it's crazy i mean and i think USB-C is going to be somewhat the answer to to this stuff in the future but that's not it's not extremely maker friendly to replace those jacks and all that kind of stuff i mean it's better than what we have but it is it still has its annoyances yeah stupid usb um <laughs> i usually wait till the end of the episode to do some q and a's but i figured uh we're gonna see how this is for audience retention so i asked on twitter and um and on YouTube for some questions to answer. And I figure uh, instead of it being directed to me, we can both give our takes on it, if that's all right with you. And I got a bunch here too, so. Oh, 
Neat. Go ahead. Just a quick interruption to talk about this episode's sponsor, PCBWay. PCBWay has been a long-term sponsor of the channel, and I think they're a good match for my channel because they provide quality PCBs for a reasonable price. You can get boards manufactured up to 100 mils by 100 mils for just $5, including shipping to Canada, 15 US dollars, including shipping to USA, 12 US dollars, which is incredibly cheap for professionally manufactured PCBs. I can personally attest to the quality of these PCBs, and so if you want a circuit immortalized forever, check out PCBWay.com with the link in the description. Now back to the conversation. All right, so the first one is from Marius Hare. Uh, I forgot how to pronounce your name. I'm sorry, Marius, but uh, that's from Twitter. He says, if electricity comes from electrons, does mor morality come from morons? And um, I'll say, uh, no, morons bring society far more things, and I'd rather not talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I would say just the opposite. Just the opposite. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. Here is one from my wife at Verowak on Twitter. Uh, if you could start another YouTube channel that you can manage, so you hire the talent, the crew, and everything, what would it be? Actually, I'd like to hear your input on this first. So this is one of my big struggles. Um, I lack time, but I have this extreme like enjoyment of both electronics, maker electronics, and vintage stuff. And uh, the the two on my channel just does not they just don't play very well together. So I would I would love to be able to spawn off into something other more vintage that I can kind of play with. Um, I mean that's a no brainer for me. Okay, like a vintage -y channel, nice. Yeah, how about you? I think I would want to do a um, Top Gear type automotive Ooh. channel because there are a few um, right now, like uh, Auto Alex Cars is uh, one of them, uh, which is formerly of uh, Full Throttle. I don't remember what, what the original channel was. And there's another one, which is, I think it's Tavarish, but... I feel like um, the Tavares channel goes more big into what they do, um, but they're lacking that little bit of uh, sort of uh, personality like, like Top Gear had. Top Gear had a magic thing. Yeah. And I think yeah. Otto Alex, um, because he's now out on his own, um, he has the personality, but I feel like he doesn't have the big sort of uh, adventures that Tavarish has. So I would like something kind of in the middle there where, you know, I would find some personalities that jive very well together, um, preferably if it jives with me because I'd love to be on one of those shows. And then, you know, we do the whole Top Gear thing, buy something for, you know, under $1,000 and, you know, climb the Rocky Mountains with it or something like that. That would be my, my dream. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I've got a lot of, I have a lot of, uh, the two things people always say, people always say that my personality doesn't really come through on my YouTube channel. Like people who hang out with me on the regular, uh, don't feel like it comes through on my channel. Then the, anybody who knows me when I was in my twenties, uh, would say that, I mean, if YouTube was around, like I probably would have made a killing at YouTube back then when I had the, uh, you know, just more time and less commitments and stuff like that. I probably would have loved it back in the day. You just need to make a second channel where you forget about the theme of your channel and you just do things like stuff like um, like a vlog of your um, of your bike adventures, for example, would be pretty awesome. 
next one up here is from uh, Gregador the Only on Twitter. Uh, what are some of your of the most embarrassing moments from your life? And I can start with this one. Um, so imagine you're a um, you know I, I guess a, a newish podcaster trying to make a good product for people to listen to, and then um, you finally score a big uh, YouTuber like Big Clive to come on, and you're so nervous that you comment on his accent at the very second you start the freaking podcast and put him <laughs> off for the first five minutes. I am I still think about it and cringe about that. I don't know why I said that. I was so nervous. Well, there we go. That's one of my most embarrassing moments. How about you? I was I was uh I was at a homeless shelter and uh I was talking to somebody and uh and I, I was talking to somebody and I was quoting, I was quoting somebody with a bunch of authority. And it's really funny because I like literally never use this expression ever. But I was I was in the middle of talking to the guy and I was like, and that's just not some bum off the street saying that, you know, just oh, there no. were like a whole bunch of people around and everyone just kind of looked at me. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get I'm going to get killed. <laughs> oh, no, I have secondhand embarrassment <laughs> for you. <clears throat> And that is one of the reasons, like, I've always, uh, I've always been very quick with stuff like that, just throwing stuff out there like that. And that's one of the reasons why I don't do live streams, because you just can't take it back. And, uh, and I just, I constantly just say random things like that, that I, I shouldn't. So do you listen to the WAN show, the Linus Tech Tips uh, podcast? I don't. I see okay. bits and pieces of it. But yeah. So on the last one, yeah, on the last one, um, Linus was explaining how uh, back in the day, in the early 2000s and slightly before, uh, things were more acceptable to say uh, back then than they are now. And he said, um, what, what he said, and I, and I quote, is that he's dropped his fair share of the hard R's because it was normal back then. And his co-host, Luke, is like, uh, what? And he's like, yeah, it was just, it was just normal. And then he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are you, what are you talking about? And and he says the the hard R, the one that you know is mental disability. And he's like, whoa, no, that is not what the hard R means. And he's like, the hard R is finishing, you know, a very racist word in a hard R. And he's like, oh no, no, that's not what I meant. And so he <laughs> almost ruined his freaking career live. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And obviously I'm, I'm torn. Like I, I would, I would hate to see any like real repercussions come from him, you know, over a misunderstanding like that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, we live in a, it, that's just a fact. Like you can lament it all you want, but that is a fact. Like we are at, at any, uh, at any time, uh, one word for being canceled. And that's the thing too. Like I, I try to keep it in perspective. YouTube is a bit of an outlet for me. Um, but it's not more important than my family or my business or, you know, any of those other things. So, uh, and my, my thing is to push the envelope, like the videos that I don't put out, like I have so many things that I just think would be hilarious. Um, but I just don't do it cause it's not worth getting canceled. I was going to fake, I could say this cause it's kind of funny. I was going to fake a video. Um, and obviously I would not do this. So I'm going to go ahead and give a disclaimer, but, uh, I was going to do a video like an April fool's type thing where I talk about, uh, um, going down the, the cat toys aisle at Walmart and just showing how much plastic and how much, you know, 
non-biodegradable materials were in all these toys and who knows they're all coming in from china and all that kind of stuff um you know who knows what's in these things so i was going to say that i wanted to make biodegradable cat toys and i was going to basically build a camouflage tent for my cat outside with a birdhouse so the cat could hide until the birds came down to <laughs> until the birds came down to eat um so that the cat would have biodegradable cat toys but um cats are known for killing like billions and billions of birds. So, uh, lots of people get upset about that kind of thing. So, but again, like I wouldn't really do it. I wouldn't really kill a bird for a YouTube video and all that kind of stuff, but it's just not worth, like, it's not worth it for the joke. Um, essentially. No. And people also, um, associate, uh, things that you may not mean, right. Things that you say and may not mean with your true character, right. There's a difference right. between, uh, saying something, by accident and actually thinking about right. it, right? Like I am like, uh, I try to make it very clear that, uh, I'm a pretty strongly uh, feminist. I am, you know, pro acceptance on whatever. It's actually kind of silly to me that, um, that people care what's going on in other people's pants. Um, but if I were to say, uh, to say something like a single word, uh, by accident on a live stream, that's not how I think. It's just something right. you know that comes out. So the yeah, that's a yeah, that's that's a thing. Um, but that's why I hope that actions speak louder than words. And you know, right. hopefully there's, there's enough uh, evidence online of how I really think that um, one mistake won't uh, put me in the dumps. Who knows? Yeah. I made a video a couple of years ago about a, a joke device to turn your TV on and off so you could, quote unquote, trick your wife into allowing you to buy a new TV right before the Super Bowl. And there were people in the comments who legitimately thought that I would manipulate my wife or that my wife would even care if I wanted to go out and buy a new TV. Um, that's just, you know, it's it's part of how we live now. And that's OK. Like, it, it is what it is. But it's uh, you got to be careful. Yeah, that's projection. Um, that's definitely projection. Some people think that yeah. that's, you know, the the, the quote unquote stereotypical uh, wife decides everything, and she's so mean and not supportive. Um, I'm just I'm thinking if you if you have a wife like that, you probably picked wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. My, my wife like is a most... rock star. <laughs> that's funny. God, you talk yeah. about your wife, and I'll talk about my wife. Yeah, I was about to say my wife is the most awesome person I met. I think it's important to be in a relationship with your best friend and not, uh, someone, you know, who you think absolutely has. Yeah. We're whatever. out there. I mean, we're out there putting a new floor in this laundry room and, and my wife will make every single one of the cuts and she's, you know, she's, she's ridiculous. Like she's hardworking and, and crazy talented and, you know, does all the things that I do. It's, it's impressive. It really is. Oh, I was, uh, outside cutting blocks to make a little shelf here in the basement and my wife came and joined me and I was like, hey, do you want to sand these pieces? Because she doesn't get uh, a lot of chance to to play with woodworking stuff. And she's like, absolutely. So she, she starts sanding it. And some old man, because this this thing is running on my, my front lawn, so it's pretty loud. So um, so some old man um, like shouts something. So I just go up to him on the sidewalk and I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, are you teaching her how to use the tools? I was like, no, she's perfectly capable thanks thanks for nothing right like it just sucks for women right it does it really does so i'm gonna uh i'm gonna throw in a couple of kind of rapid fire that we can we can kind of go over we can go back to your other questions but uh 
All right, yeah. let's go for this. Um, comedy or horror? Oh, comedy. No, uh, they both suck. Comedy, though. How about <laughs> I'm you? I'm comedy, definitely. I'm comedy, comedy yeah. definitely. Uh, movies or TV shows? Uh, TV shows. I think, uh, you know, long-term, long-form narratives are a lot uh, better than short-form ones. I agree. I've almost completely stopped watching movies. Um, I watch them occasionally, but not not a ton. Have you watched uh, uh, The Last of Us, the TV series? I haven't watched that. I just finished Clarkson's Farm uh, season two, which I've been enjoying. But uh, yeah, I haven't watched The Last of Us. Is it good? It's uh, it's very good. It's uh, it's awesome. So actually, I envy you because I, I watched it week over week, and uh, I would much rather watch it in a binge watching session. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm I'm a free agent now for new shows, so that's good. I'll do it. Waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Come on, that's not even that's not even a question. My wife, my wife loves pancakes, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm waffles. A lot more flavor, a lot more options there. Kim, uh, right. you have the wrong Go. opinion. <laughs> well, she's uh, it's it's done, and she's not a very granola type person, but she's uh, she's gone gluten-free for health issues and it's it's done a lot of uh it's done a ton of good for her honestly and uh but gluten-free pancakes seem to be a lot more accessible too so that's that's part of it uh pizza but, or pasta oh uh pizza i can live on pizza on pizza also yeah me too exactly uh all right a couple more here uh onion rings or fries oh dip oh that depends um uh, like flavored fries are better than onion rings, but onion rings are better than unflavored fries. Yeah. I think the average onion ring is probably a little bit better than the average French fry, but um, yeah, killer fries are killer fries. I think probably the best fries are probably better than the best onion rings. Agreed. Um, I totally agree. If you're somewhere where the fries are mid at best, get the onion rings. And if you're somewhere where the fries are actually very good, I've been, uh, I've been feeling Popeye's fries uh, lately. Uh, the Cajun fries. So fries are better than onion rings in that case. All right. Last question. If you were in a high speed chase, what song would you want blaring on the radio? Oh, um, geez. High speed chase blaring on the radio. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, how about uh bat out of hell? Me Is that meatloaf? Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. I kind of envision myself. I'm not. I'm not bad on a track. I kind of envision one of the like classical ballet things. Like I really like the juxtaposition of uh, of the car sliding around with just very classical calm, uh, calming music as I'm flying around evading the police. So oh, like a slow motion scene almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe the poetic. Like right, a... One last one. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Uh, actually, two last ones because they're really important. Um, wings or ribs? Wings, by far. Uh, especially breaded yeah. and fried. Those. That's my jam. Yep. Really good ribs, I think, are better than really good rings or wings. But I, I think, on general, wings wings are better. Uh, I had one more on here. All right, we'll just do uh, pudding or Jello. Oh, pudding by far. Something pudding. like a good uh, butterscotch pudding. That's that's the key. Yep. I'm with Sweet. You. Hey, speaking right, of puddings, now, now you got me into food. Uh, you're going to you know a fancy ice cream place. What what's your favorite fancy ice cream flavor? Is that what you mean by fa- I'm generally I'm gonna always go for the 
most chocolate peanut butter thing on the spectrum. Uh, if okay. I have, if I'm getting quality, I'm chocolate peanut butter. Give me any combination of that. I would lean toward dark chocolate um, if it's an option, but chocolate and peanut butter is my jam. How about I you? Go somewhere around like a uh, a high quality uh, milk chocolate. I, I don't like my chocolate dark, but it needs to have uh, caramel swirled in there. So chocolate and caramel to me is a is a great combination yeah. for ice cream. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Now, right. so would you add nuts to something like that? Would that have like, you know, because for me, if I go caramel, I kind of want something like almonds or cashews to, to offset that a little bit. No nuts. I am not actually a fan of nuts. I used to be when I was younger, um, but uh, now I've, I find like they, they just add some sort of dryness to the, to okay. the mix that I'm not appreciating. So, yeah, okay. no nuts for me. I'd say I like pretty much all nuts except for walnuts. Don't like uh, don't like walnuts, but everything else is good. You get along well with my wife. She's a she's a nut aficionado. She likes um, uh, cashews would be her favorite, and then probably yep. macadamia nuts and pralines. Yep, I'm I'm, I'm down that range. I like pistachios too. That's another good one. So I can't I I cannot have pistachios anymore. Ever since there's a Reddit post showing that there's like an invasive uh, <laughs> bug. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. those? Yeah, yeah, so I, I won't go any further. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's finish um, uh, Gregador's uh, questions. Um, he asks, uh, have you ever been in a car wreck? And if so, how bad? Also, how many if there's more than one? I have been in one car wreck. My long-suffering uh, 1995 Honda Civic, uh, back in the day, I, I dropped off my wife at a, um, a theater thing in the west end of town, take it, took the highway back. I was behind this uh, box van, like a like a big delivery van, and uh, I I may have been a bit uh, too close, but I was probably close to two seconds behind him. But then all of a sudden, he swerves out of the lane in in front of me, go to the right, and when he swerved, all I could see was. Uh, a line of stopped traffic in front of him. So I couldn't see past him because it's a van. But when he swerved, I hit the hit the brakes and plowed right into this uh, uh, this Mazda. So I was completely unharmed, but uh, the front of my car had crushed like an accordion. The uh, police on site uh, took the lady's statement and she said she saw everything. And she said it wasn't my fault. I explained to the police officer and he said, yep, it's not your fault. So I didn't get a ticket. I didn't get charged or anything. Usually when you rear end someone on the highway, it's your fault. Um, so I called the insurance and the insurance said, yep, it's your fault. The police don't decide we do. So I haven't one at fault well, back in uh, wow. 2010, I think. How about so you? Florida is actually a no fault state where they've just decided that we're not even going to try to figure out who's at fault in the uh, accidents. So I mean, your insurance can go up based on the number of them you have, but there's no they don't really do a whole lot of fault unless you get into civil suits, which is kind of, I don't love it, but it, it eh, kind of makes sense. Um, so I actually had two near misses that are way more interesting than the accident, but uh, we were on our way to, uh, my wife was driving and uh, we were on our way up to the Arctic Circle and uh, not very far from Fairbanks, Alaska. And we just hit some black ice and just went straight into one of those barricades in the middle. And uh, it was coming around a curve. And the scariest thing about it, there wasn't a shoulder on the side that we hit. And my wife's glasses flew off. And um, so, I mean, you're on a snowy road where, you know, the, 
my mind is doing the math that, uh, you know, hey, if we slid, the people behind us could. So basically, like, I got my wife, like, over the wall as fast as I could. But her glasses flew off and she couldn't see. And so I had to jump in and get the, like, the car was drivable. So I had to get it, like, going back the right direction uh, before we got plowed into. So that was, that was, it wasn't a bad accident, but that was pretty scary in Alaska, everything is kind of multiplied. Uh, I'll go pretty quick, but I'll tell you two other ones. Uh, I had the worst day of my life. If you got a minute, I'll give you the story. But essentially, somebody donated a boat to the camp that I worked at. And uh, I got down there and um, it, I didn't have a whole lot of time that day. And it wound up taking forever to get all the paperwork done. Then I go to actually get the boat itself and it was chained to a tree and the guy couldn't find the keys. Uh, everything in Alaska is forever away. So I had to drive basically an hour round trip to go get a battery operated grinder from Home Depot so I could cut the chains and get it on there. And by that time, the guy who gave me the boat had left. So I get the boat all hooked up to the trailer and it's starting to get dark. You know, it gets dark at two o'clock in the afternoon there. And, uh, the trailer lights didn't work. And so, uh, you know, then all of a sudden I have to get it to an auto parts store. I'm laying on the ground in the snow in Alaska, wiring up temporary lights so I can get this boat two hours back up to where the camp is. We're up a mountain. And uh, so, you know, time's passing, time's passing. It's pitch black. And uh, I'm driving through the mountains of Alaska and I come down a hill and all of a sudden the suburban that I was driving and the truck just slide sideways down the mountain. And... um as I'm sideways down the mountain, looking basically up the mountain out of my passenger or my driver window, there's a, a Coca-Cola semi um, that's sliding the other way. So we're essentially window to window. His driver's side is facing mine. We're both sliding sideways down this mountain. And I get control of mine. And as we start to get down to the bottom of the hill, and then we're immediately going back uphill. So you got to hit it. Um, so I immediately just jam it and go uphill and he gets uphill and there's really nowhere to stop. Um, and I, I couldn't exactly tell what happened to him. So I wind up pulling in the only gas station on this road about 10 minutes later. And the Coke, the Coke truck pulls in right behind me. And it's like, Hey, are you here to change your shorts? And <laughs> I was too. Cause I, I mean, if he hit me, we were going off the side of the mountain together. I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, buts about it. There's no guardrails. Like you're going off. Uh, and so that was scary as frick. Um, and then one wow. other time I was in college and uh, yeah, that was, that was really, really scary. Oh, I might as well just finish telling you the rest of the story. So then, uh, I get up there and the, uh, I get home. It's like eight 30 at night. I left it real early in the morning. Um, I get up there and the power had gone out. And so that's a big deal in Alaska. Like you cannot have these buildings freeze. We have some oil heat and gas heat and, you know, something, but you just can't let a hundred buildings freeze. So it's this mad dash to get generators everywhere we can get them. And so I, I pull in with this boat and all of a sudden I have to join this mad dash to get a whole bunch of generators to a whole bunch of crucial places. And uh, I get the one to my house and it will not start. And I'm out there and it's snowing and I'm like trying to get this generator cranked for like half an hour. And I get the generator cranked and the power comes back on. And it was just like that entire day. It was just like, you know, bad thing after bad thing from like beginning to end. But, uh, I made it home. The other one's just kind of a little funnier is, uh, I, uh, you know, when you're in college, you do dumb things, not paying attention. I was, uh, in South Carolina at college and, driving just down one of those 55 mile an hour back roads and i look up and there's an intersection and everybody has stopped 
just everybody stopped and like there's no hitting the brakes like so i yanked the wheel to the right and there's a gas station there and so i'm sliding my ford escort sideways into this gas station like i go from 55 miles an hour yank the wheel to the right slide sideways and i landed exactly next to a gas pump and so i just got out and started pumping gas Wow. Just like I had no excuse for doing. And so, you know, it took like a dollar's worth of gas. And then, you know, like I calmed down and got back on the road, but it was, it was insane. Craziness. So you've got, you, you went through quite a bit of stuff. I guess you're, you're a little bit older than me, but you're not that much older. Maybe you just take more risks. Yeah. 46. Okay. You're about, uh, you're 11 years older. So, yeah. I take a lot of risks. I travel a lot of dumb places. I do a lot of dumb things. So, I mean, fair enough. Um, I'm not really an adrenaline junkie. Like, I'm not a jump out of plane, bungee jumping kind of person, though. Yeah, I feel like I like the idea of bungee jumping, but uh, I don't know if I'd ever go through with it. That's a, that's a bit much. That's a big commitment. You have to sit there in the plane as you go up, thinking about, you know, whatever the heck's going on. Ugh. Yeah, I'm definitely a risk-reward kind of person, so I'm, the risk is a little high for me there. So let's get to a couple more of these uh, Q&As. Um, Kyle Alred from the YouTube comments says, can you say the alphabet backwards without help? Nope, not a chance. No, not a chance. Yeah, me neither. Uh, when I look at those YouTube, um, uh, the, the police stops for the roadside sobriety tests, uh, I haven't even touched alcohol in like two years, maybe three years at this point. And I don't think I could pass any of those sobriety tests. So no idea. No. Yeah. I don't have great balance to begin with. I'm not very good at the backwards thing. Yeah. They, they turn me in immediately. Um, how much, if any, has your adventure in electronics helped you with understanding the chips in vehicles? Well, a hundred percent it's helped me uh, with cars. Actually, that's the reason I learned electronics in the first place is that the manufacturers don't give you enough information about what's going on in control modules. So I took it upon myself to learn. How about you? It must have it must help to, to know a little bit about electronics. Yeah, definitely. It helps with the diagnostics. And yeah, just, just I, I think electronics, um, like coding, is problem solving and breaking big problems down into small problems. And so, you know, yeah, whether it's a, a module in a car or a taillight not working or something like that, like you just, it gives you the skills to break things down like that. So it's definitely helped a lot. Here's one and that's the really... Tools. Like just the fact that we get those tools, like that's really been helpful. Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, an automotive scan tool will do things similar to like multimeters and oscilloscopes, but they will do things through a translation layer where if you just know how to use the multimeter in the oscilloscope, you don't really need a scan tool. Right. Um, here's one that's very relevant. Should we, uh, Thomas W. asks, should we keep hoarding components because sooner or later China will become too expensive for us or will cheap supplies via Ali keep coming? Wow. I would say um, we're already at the point where cheap components are not nearly as cheap as they used to be. And uh, shipping is absolutely insane still, even though it's dropped a whole bunch. Uh, so I think eventually we're going to see the end of um, cheap components from China, especially with um, a few political things that are going on with um, the U.S. Uh, you know, entering into a 
uh, silicon arms race with uh, with China. So yeah, I think the the end of cheap components is nigh. What do you think? Yeah, I think the golden age is basically over. Um, you know, and even the stuff that we're getting cheap is is uh, not it's not as cheap as it used to be. And like the fakes are unbelievable. I never I, I've I just haven't had time to finish my quote unquote investigation. But I mean, I've probably ordered forty or fifty chips and gotten fake versions or rebadged versions. I just did an EEPROM yesterday. I'm like, why can't I program this EEPROM? And I looked it up, and it was just they took the time to change the brand. You know, so they, they changed some no-name one and put an ST label on it, a uh, laser-marked one on there. Um, and again, like, there was no problem with the EEPROM. They just changed the brand to maybe squeeze another penny or two out of there, and it caused me all kinds of troubles. Um, you know, so it's, if you value your time, so whenever I have to deal with my client's money, I have to buy from DigiKey and Adafruit, and even Adafruit's been kind of junk lately. Uh, but it's, yeah, the, the cheap, usable things are going away quick careful about uh summoning adafruit fanboys into here so uh, <laughs> well I, mean, I want to I'll, I'll go ahead and i'll toss out what i've been dealing with so what i've been dealing with is that um you know there was a time that they basically created a lot of the modules and things that they sold uh but in my last project they have the i used the dot stars i think we talked about that in the last podcast well they've basically started rebranding various and maybe it's a supply chain issue that they can't get as many as they want but uh because they're rebranding other people's dot stars as their own uh sometimes the wires are in different orders you get different behaviors and all that kind of stuff and and i used to buy from them to avoid that kind of stuff and now it's just not the case gotcha um yeah i'm i'm not even at that level yet where i'm buying from adafruit in a a regular basis i just don't have the I, I don't have the the sort of um, like project momentum where you need accurately sourced uh, things. And so I'm still just buying stuff uh, cheap from AliExpress, basically. So it is what it is. I do um, it too still. I mean, and I'll take my chances. Yeah, sometimes. But I guess for you, it's it's a little bit different because some, some of the projects you do are like serious uh, paid jobs from, um, you know, you know, with deadlines and stuff. And at that case, I mean, you would, you would probably rather spend uh, $20 more on a component that you know where it came from than have to spend, right. you know, a hundred hours of labor trying to make it work. Yeah. For paid projects, uh, you know, my clients, the components are generally the cheap part of the project. So they're, they're fine buying that kind of stuff. Like normally for me, I would buy one of those cheap little, like I just had to order an actual Intel NUC, one of those little mini computers where normally I would just use whatever Raspberry Pi or cheap computer I had laying around, but they're willing to pay for the real thing. Um, and, but for me, it, there's two times I won't do it. One is if I'm doing for somebody else and they're paying for it, then I have to buy it from DigiKey and quality components. The second one that I've learned my lesson on is anytime I build something like a card that has 15 or 20 chips on it, which is pretty common in the vintage space, I have to order that stuff from DigiKey too because it's not just, like I said, um, AliExpress, they rebranded some of the parts. So you may get a chip that's, 
close and works in 95% of the circumstances. But when you start having 10 of them working together, uh, they don't do the same thing. So I've just learned, like I've wasted so much time trying to get a card that has 10 or 15 chips using all AliExpress parts because they're usually not exactly what they say they are, even though it's perfectly fine if you're just doing like a little shift register on a, on a breadboard. Yeah. It's one of those things with stacking tolerances, right? When, um, when students ask me things like, um, well, you know, if, if this car is, well, here, how about this? Um, they ask me, you know, the safety limit on tire treads here in uh, Ontario is 1.6 millimeters. If you have less than 1.6 millimeter of tire tread left, the car is unsafe to drive uh, as per the law. So the students ask me on a, on a dry road, sunny day, does that actually matter, the 1.6 millimeters of, thre- of tread? Can you go down to 1.5, 1.4? And I say, the, the issue is edge cases. And so if, you, if you're just driving on a, on a flat, dry road, warm day, sunny day, 1.6 millimeters and 1.4 millimeters are like the same. But the moment you get to a curve in the road, and there's a little bit of sand kicked up from, like, let's say, the, um, the from from the ditch. In that case, your 1.4 is going to send you careening off the the side of the road or into oncoming traffic. And so, um, laws like like the the treadwear limits are really to to have a, a um, you know a, a calculated level of safety. And yes, your car might be fine. Um, but the thing is, it might not. And is that risk acceptable for other people on the road other than you? And I think that's what's happening with your AliExpress chips is they're probably fine, right? But in edge cases, they're not. And when you add 20 of them, then those ad, those you get like a, toler- a, a tolerance stack up where things go wrong very quickly. Is that is that about accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's just not worth it spending hours and hours and hours debugging it. It just takes away all the fun of the project. And, you know, labor ain't cheap. Uh, at least uh, it shouldn't be cheap. In your case, you're, you know, yeah. pretty experienced in this kind of stuff. Yeah. And when I do AliExpress stuff, I have to socket it, which costs more money because I know there's a decent chance I'm going to have to pull it out and change it. So it just, the, the savings just go away. You just start adding sockets. Yeah, so then you just order from uh, DigiKey and then, you know, you have to eat it on shipping and on a- accurate sourcing, especially here in Canada. Shipping from like Mouser or DigiKey sucks, costs a fortune. Yeah, it's not cheaper. I've never gotten free shipping from them, or at least not recently, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's not cheap and it's not fast, you know, or anything. It's, it's okay, but it's not very fast, not like the Amazon or anything. I think I might make a video um, asking people to spend a hundred dollars worth of, uh, my money on Mouser. Cause I won a, a contest probably two, three years ago now where I got, I have a hundred dollars credit on, um, I think I'm pretty sure it's on Mouser's website, but I just never know what to buy because everything that I would want that's above a hundred dollars, uh, it feels like the hundred dollars isn't enough of a discount for it. And everything that I want under a hundred dollars it feels like you're paying 10x the the price of what I would usually buy. So, yeah, maybe I'll make a video and have people suggest what to buy and whoever gets the, you know, the the 
whoever makes me a a um a shopping cart with the most useful stuff for a hundred dollars. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll send them a sticker or something. I like that. I like that. I think you can actually share Mauser shopping carts too, so they could actually add it to their cart and share it. Oh, there we go. Neat. So yeah, maybe I'll set that up. Make myself a note. Sounds All fun. right. Last question on the um, YouTube from Space Wolf Junior. You're gonna have to answer this because I have no idea. Uh, why are some cats bigger than other cats? Could it be love? <laughs> well, my cat has gotten a lot bigger since uh, since I've gotten her, so she she's very well loved. I think. Uh, yeah. So that's my guess. You don't I'm like cats not. at all, do you? I hate cats. And the actually, you know what? That's not fair. I don't hate cats. I, I dislike most cat owners. Um, yeah. If you let your cat roam outside, um, then shame on you. Because in my area, uh, coyotes eat them. They get hit by cars. And the ones that don't get uh, hit by cars or eaten by coyotes, they murder all the squirrels and all the, the songbirds. And so when we moved in here, we used to feed the birds. But basically, it just made a... Uh, uh, the bird feeder was more of a cat feeder than anything else. And, um, yes. yeah, yes, my so neighbors, my video idea. Yeah. My, my neighbors, uh, in fact, I believe it's illegal, but when their cats murder a bird that's been tagged, they just, uh, destroy the tag and bury the bird. So, well, yeah. So yeah, th- yeah I, I brought our cat inside. Our cat stays inside, but I, over the years, the last five years I've lived here, I've fed, I fed a bunch of the stray cats to just come up to my door and stuff. And, and, uh, we have a trap, neuter and release program. So basically they'll give them their rabies shots. They'll, um, neuter them they'll give them all their shots. And then they cut the tip of their ear off so that you know that they've been treated. And they basically say that's really healthy for the cat population. Um, and so, and for basically all the populations, um, but I mean, I would say on average, the street cats last maybe a year, year and a half before they're, I mean, they could be adopted. It'd be nice to think that they got adopted by a family, but I think like they're getting hit and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, my cat being inside may be fat, but she's happy. Are, are there, are the cats feeding the alligators? Is that, is that something that happens? Yeah, de- that definitely does happen. Probably more likely we have hawks, uh, pythons are starting to make their way up from South Florida, um, there's there's a lot of random things that that kill cats around here. We have coyotes also. Yeah, I wish. So the issue with me is that uh, all the neighbors, uh, I live in a fairly uh, densely housed area, but all the neighbors have cats, and they're all outdoor cats, and they're always yeah. in my backyard, either hunting or pooping in my garden. <laughs> and you know, it's a weird thing where like. Let's say I were to have a dog, right, which is is on my radar, but uh, at the moment, the wife and I are barely responsible enough for ourselves. Um, if the dog is in my fenced yard and it fights with a neighbor's cat and it gets all scratched up, then, like, let's say it, it gets an eye poked out, then... you know, you can't even go after the neighbors because there are so many cats. You don't even know which one it fought with. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's this thing where I, we've asked them to keep their cats out of our yard, but the cats, they they honestly jump the height of the, the fence. They jump over the fence. And so there's no way to stop them coming in. So I'm in yeah, this weird situation. I have cats on my roof occasionally. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's this weird situation where they say, well, you know, we do our best, but what what do they what can you really do to stop a cat being in your yard, right? Yeah. So Yeah, not much. And I'll say this like a, a good cat like or some cats are great and some cats are horrific. Um and so the uh like I have a very good cat. It's quiet, doesn't leave me alone, like it just kind of sits around here, it's peaceful. Um, but there are some that are just holy terrors also. Yeah, I mean they have personalities. They're they're regular yeah. they're regular animals. And honestly, I don't have problems with the cats because the cats should just be indoors and then they they would be perfect companions. I mean my sister had a cat for for the longest time, you know, not while I lived with her, but um I mean they're just they're, they're fine animals. They just uh yeah, they murder all the birds and the squirrels and stuff. Sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, um, we went through quite a bit of stuff. There is something I do want to touch on. Have you watched the video of uh, Diana Physics Girl? I have. That's that's scary. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. So um, personally, I've had um, long COVID for two years. Um, and my long COVID, I find, is a little bit debilitating when I have, uh, basically, I have I'm pretty sure I'm undiagnosed because mental health services uh, suck in Canada, but um, uh, I'm pretty sure I have some sort of generalized anxiety disorder. And when I have um, my anxious times uh, since I had COVID the first time in 2021, um, December 2021, a while ago anyways, um, it it was also, um, uh, it came with, breathing problems. I felt like I was out of breath and my heart rate was like through the roof all the time. And so I've had long COVID myself and Diana physics girl, when she got, um, COVID, she also got long COVID. However, she got a much worse version of it where she's chronically fatigued, where she doesn't even have energy, enough energy to interact with people like social interaction is impossible for her. Even like reading text messages, so she's been bedridden in and out and um, she's been she's now back in the hospital and hoping to get treatment. So I will link the video um, basically uh, made by Simone Yatch, but uploaded to uh, Physics Girls channel. And uh, I do recommend that everyone listening to this goes and watch the video. Um, Physics Girl is an important um creator on YouTube. She does fantastic work um, in terms of science communication. And um, if if someone knows how to help, then I would uh, suggest you, you reach out. But I felt it was really important to, uh, to speak out about it, um, especially because most people, <laughs> sorry, as I'm clamoring to try not to cough here, um, most people assume that uh, COVID is a non-issue these days, which is not true for everyone. So, uh, yeah, I would recommend you guys uh, go watch that. And uh, I shared it with uh, a few of the creators that I know. So another maker is uh, one of them. And uh, yeah, hopefully, at least if you guys will wouldn't mind going there, saying some words of support and maybe sharing the video around, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, that's so scary. I mean, you think about, the, and again, I have no idea about her medical conditions and stuff like that, but I mean, by all appearances, I mean, she's been to the polls and things like that. She's 
young, healthy, you know, otherwise. And, and so for something like this to take down somebody who seemed energetic and healthy, like it's definitely scary. Yeah. Yeah. She's not old. She's, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know her exact age, but she's probably closer to my age than yours. Um, and so this whole thing of, well, there's a very low death rate and therefore COVID is not a problem, I think is such problematic thinking. I mean, I caught my infection from my students. They just came into school sick. And even though I was wearing my mask, they didn't wear any. And so a mask, if, if I have to repeat this, uh, by this point, it's pretty sad, but a mask <laughs> protects more others than than yourself. And so, yeah, I got um, I got it from my students, and they gave it to each other. And I mean, it's just it, it's it's horrible. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, I've lost I've lost relatives from it. Uh, and and the long thing, it is it's really difficult to see people that you love, um, you know, going through this stuff long term. So, um, Diana is younger than me. She was born in 1989. So she is wow. 34 and I'm 35. So yeah, <clears throat> just, uh, one thing out there, if you guys, you know, maybe, um, can, can be a little bit more considerate when you're sick, maybe stay home, wear a mask. Um, and we're going to hopefully end this kind of stuff, but, um, Yeah. Let's just uh, end this in on a positive note because uh, I hate going out on a negative note. Um, what's the next uh, couple months look like for you? Um, I know that you have a couple projects planned, but are we going to see those on YouTube? I wouldn't call myself retired from YouTube. I'm still doing I'm still doing YouTube videos occasionally, uh, doing some stuff, the PCB stuff, and the and uh, the mailbag videos and things like that. Um, it's it's been pretty tough. I'm pretty loaded down on that kind of stuff. I'm playing with something uh, called the Nabu, which is pretty cool. And I don't probably don't have time to give the whole story, but essentially a, uh, the cable company in Ottawa, Canada was renting these pretty much dumb terminal computers that actually had really crazy good specs inside that they would rent them on a weekly or monthly basis to the cable customers. And, um, they weren't super popular, but back in the day, it was a really cool way for people to get online and they were crazy fast. Uh, and we're talking like 1983, 84, 85. Well, recently somebody found a giant trove of these things new in box in a warehouse and they've been going up on eBay for 80 bucks a piece. And, um, and it's just an amazing story of how the community has, um, gotten these cheap computers, basically reverse engineered all the stuff the cable company was doing and then expanded that a hundred times over to do really cool stuff on top of that. And so there's these old computers that are, they look really cool and, uh, and people are just expanding and doing all kinds of fun stuff with those. Um, so I'm kind of, I've jumped on that movement. I don't know that I'm, I might make one video, uh, kind of summarizing the whole thing. Uh, but I've been doing that been fixing some old computers and, kind of tinkering nothing nothing major on the horizon just trying to hold on through the uh through the middle of the year i've got a couple of big product launches i'm taking care of so hanging on for dear life that's good that's good i'm personally i'm trying to um i basically uh filmed a whole bunch of mailbag videos and edited a whole bunch of mailbag videos so my patreon patrons have access to about five i think uh, five, five of them right now. And I've got, uh, two more to edit because over time stuff has just been accumulating here. 
Um, uh, so I'm going to do that. But the thing is, uh, I do have in my head, there was a couple negative comments of people saying, uh, you know, why am I even subscribed to this basically mailbag channel? And so I don't want to just do mailbags. So I do have a couple of uh, rapid fire videos that I have ideas for. And I'm going to be shooting those in the next uh, couple of weeks. So if you are a Patreon patron or a channel member, you're going to get uh, early access to those uh, fairly shortly. I want to kind of space out the um, uh, the mailbag videos a little bit. So uh, look up for that. Just a couple of teardowns, a couple of messing around. And I still need to work on my, um, basically my commitment to do... Um, sort of uh, like more in-depth tutorially type videos with uh, web articles. Still need to work on that. It's just uh, with the uh, sickness and with the college work, I'm uh, I'm a little bit behind. But I will get it done, and uh, another maker will have to buy me a pizza at the end of the year, I swear <laughs> it. All right, all right. And uh, I'm thinking about just following up on our last thing real quick. I'm thinking about transitioning some of the stuff. I really enjoyed the AI and uh, and the other stuff I've been working on. So maybe I'll, when I said that I'd learn something new this year, I think I might be going in that direction, doing more than that. So maybe maybe I'll be able to fulfill my part with uh, with some kind of cool AI project. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I hope that everyone listening to this podcast um, goes and takes a look at... Um, another maker's uh, videos comment something nice also please go look at uh, diana physics girls um, videos as well and uh, maybe leave some positive uh, words because i think her partner is reading them to her so it'd be really nice if you if you folks can go do that and yeah i hope to catch you guys on the next episode thanks again uh, another maker really appreciate you coming last minute unprepared to um to host the podcast with me so that uh, people have something to listen to this week. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. And I'll catch you guys on the next one.